Last week, I hope that you remember that uh, we've dealt with the final aspect of the Lord's format of prayer or for prayer as he gave it to the disciples. In verse number 13, he said that as they prayed, they needed to pray that the Lord would lead them not into temptation, but deliver them from evil. And I tried to explain to us that by no means was Christ suggesting that God sometimes tempts people to sin. James was clear that the Lord cannot be tempted with sin, neither tempts he any man uh, with sin. And so we have to understand that the Lord is never the one behind our temptations, but God does allow us to be tempted by sin or with sin sometimes because we live in a sinful world. And so this idea of leading us not into temptation, the, the thought behind it seems to be this, that we would pray that we would follow the, follow the Lord in such a way that we would avoid many of the temptations that are out there because sometimes, if not many times, the temptations that we struggle with are the ones that we brought about ourselves because we're not following the Lord like we should. And then, as he said in verse number 13, but deliver us from evil, that is what we would pray and that it should be our prayer so that whenever we are in those moments where God allows us to be tempted, that we would find that way of escape that he has made possible for us and that we would not give in to the temptation, but that we would get victory over that temptation. And uh, so that was the final aspect of what we call the Lord's Prayer. And this evening we're going to move on, but before we do, in just a moment, uh, I want us to think about something. I know that I've mentioned this in times past. I don't remember the last time that I I had us think about this, but I'm going to mention it again, and I trust that you will just give this attention. But tonight I think if we were to go around the room and ask how many of you have wants, Once, I think every one of us would say, you know, there are things in life that I want. Uh, It doesn't matter how rich we are. It doesn't matter how many goods we have acquired, as we talked about this morning in the morning's message. It doesn't matter what we have. Every one of us still have wants. And so if we started on this side and worked our way over to the other side, uh, every one of us would stand and say, yeah, I'd like to have this, or I'd like to do this, or I'd like to be able to enjoy this, whatever it may be. And this evening, I am no different than any of you. I have wants, like everyone else, and and I'm just going to mention a couple of them so as to illustrate what I'm talking about, and uh, then we'll uh, continue. But it's, uh, for me, something that Susie has heard me talk about on many occasions is how I would like to have an extra room on the back of our house. I would love to have an extra spare room, just kind of an all-purpose room on the back of our house. I've told Susie it'd make a great classroom for the kids. I've said it'd make a great guest room for family whenever they come visit us. Now, I've got it justified, all these reasons why we need a spare room off the back of our house. I have really gotten into my yard this year. And I see different people around us who have really nice yards. You know, they have those beautiful grass, duh, grass yards. And, but, I mean, not, not just like grass, but like that beautiful grass. And it's lush. And, and the other night we were walking, Susie and I were, and, and she said, I just want to take my shoes off and just walk through the grass. And I said, well, you probably shouldn't. Uh, but uh, I, I would love to have a, a beautiful yard like that. And, 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 you know, just different things as the summer gets here. Uh, I still keep my eye out for wave runners. And, and if you know what a wave runner is, you, you would understand why I keep my eye out on a wave runner or for a wave runner because I think they're a lot of fun. And I've told Susie it would be a great time of fellowship for me and Nathan if we could just get a couple. 
go out to the lake and just spend time together. So there are several things in life that I want, just like there are things in life that you would want. But here is the issue with me. And again, I know I've mentioned this before, but here's my issue. I want them, I just don't want them bad enough to do what it takes to get them. You understand what I mean? I want a room, I just don't want there to be any debt associated with me building a room onto my house. And, and so far I've not found anyone who's willing to donate the time and the labor and everything that goes with that. And so I'm still not getting the room and, and because I, I just, I'm not going to devote myself to the yard entirely, I'll probably never have the yard I want. And, and the Wave Runner, I could go out and buy some, but uh, I don't like debt and so I'm not going to do that. But you understand what I'm talking about, don't you? We all have things that we'd like, but at the end of the day, what keeps us from getting it or doing it or achieving it or whatever it may be is this, is that we don't want it bad enough to do what it takes. Now, that in mind, I want us to go back to chapter 6, verse number 1. Verse number 1 of chapter 6, I want us to think about what Christ said to his disciples. He said, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of men, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. I don't remember how many weeks it's been since we were in the first verse of chapter 6 and we looked at the subject of giving, but I know that I made this statement on different occasions and I've said it probably many different times, that being that it was assumed by Christ that his disciples would be giving and generous individuals. There was no assumption on the part of Christ that the disciples, the followers of Christ, would not be generous, that they would not be giving, that they would not be benevolent in their actions. It was just naturally assumed of Christ that if you are a disciple of mine, you will be giving and you will give of alms and you will do this. You remember that? Okay. Verse number 5. When we began to deal with the subject of prayer, he said, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. Again, I stated throughout that message, and in previous messages or messages after that, however it would best be stated, I said that in verse number 5 down through verse number 8, it was just naturally assumed that the children of God, the disciples of Christ, would be men of prayer. It is never assumed that God's people would not be men and women of prayer. So if I'm a disciple of Christ, if you're a disciple of Christ, then the assumption made by Christ would be this, is that we would pray. And if somebody says, well, I'm a disciple of Christ, but yet I have to be honest and tell you I don't give, then we would say, well, there's something messed up in your prayer life or in your Christian life, right? And if somebody were to say, well, you know, I'm a disciple of Christ, but I don't really pray, you know, that's not really something I'm into, that's not really a habit I've really developed in my life, then we would say something like this, well, there, there's something wrong with your Christian life and there's something wrong with your prayer life because Christians ought to pray because they're disciples and followers of the teachings of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so tonight as we come to verse number 16, this is one of those portions of Scripture I know what it says, and I know what it means, but I have to be honest and tell you, I don't like it. Because if you notice in verse number 16, notice what he says next. He says, moreover, when ye fast. Moreover, when ye fast. 
So we've got the subject of alms in verse number 1, and it's just naturally assumed that God's people would be people who give alms. In verse number 5, we have the subject of prayer, and it is just naturally assumed that God's people would be men and women of prayer. And we finally make our way down to verse number 16, and Christ says, Moreover, when ye fast, it is just naturally assumed by Christ that as a follower of Christ, that a disciple of Christ that you and I would fast in our spiritual lives. Why don't I like that? Because I know what fasting is. Fasting is when I do not allow myself to partake of food. That's what a fast is. A fast is whenever I do not allow myself to partake of food. Now, could there be another kind of fast? Could there be another kind of, of, of keeping yourself from certain things? Yes. But when you look at the Scripture, a fast always includes or is dealing with the idea of keeping oneself from eating and partaking of food. I don't like that. Because I like to eat. And don't sit here and act like you don't. I can tell. We like to eat. Somebody's size was mentioned the other day in front of me, and it was to their face that I said this, so don't think I said it behind their back. But I said, listen, they didn't get that size by breathing. <laughs> Listen, we are people who generally like to eat. If you get up in the morning and your stomach's just a little bit hungry, if you're just a little bit, you know, hungry, if, you, if your stomach is growling just a little bit, I mean, what is one of the first things you want to do? You want to find something in the house to satisfy that hunger. If by chance you had to skip breakfast, if by chance you didn't have time before you left for work, whatever it may be, as the stomach begins to churn and as the stomach begins to growl and begin to make weird noises, what does your mind immediately begin to go to? That of lunch and when can I eat? When can I stop? When can I put something in this thing so that it'll quit growling and quit making the weird noises? And then if you're like me, I've said this before, but I'll look forward to supper sometimes all day. Because Susie will tell me what we're having or I'll know we're doing something special for supper. And, and it's something that I look forward to. I enjoy eating. And so for the scripture to say, moreover, when ye fast, assuming that as a child of God, as a follower of Christ, and as a disciple of his word and his teaching, for the, for the word of God to just assume that I would fast, you know what I'd have to say? I don't like it because I know what it is, and I know how much I enjoy eating, and I don't like what it says in verse number 16, because I know how often I fail in this area. I don't fast like I should. I don't fast like I ought to. Now, we'll say more about this in just a couple of moments, but understand, please, as the Scripture speaks of fasting, he's not speaking of fasting for medical reasons. 
You know how we're told today, if we're going to have a procedure done the next day, don't eat anything past midnight tonight? Listen, that's not what Christ is talking about. So we can't look at our last medical procedure and say, well, I fasted from midnight till after the medical procedure, so I'm good with God on this one. No, no, that's not what he's talking about. A fast does not include when maybe we're sick and we're not feeling well and nothing sounds good. And so I didn't even eat breakfast yesterday. And man, I felt so pitiful all day. I didn't eat lunch. And for supper, I just ate a few crackers. So I I, I guess technically I fasted breakfast and lunch. And really, really for me, I fasted for supper. So, So I'm good with God. No, that's not what he's talking about. See, as you look in the scripture, there are several reasons or several things that prompted people to fast. And it was never because of medical testing that was taking place the next day. It was not because uh, of sickness involved in their life. That is not what a fast is related to. A fast is related to several different things. And tonight we're going to look at a couple of them because I think sometimes we lose sight of the idea of fasting and why a person would fast. Is is that fair to say? That that sometimes we lose sight of the fact that a fast ought to be a part of the Christian life, and some people may say, "I, I don't even know why you would fast. Because maybe not everyone is familiar with the Scripture as you are. And so what were some of the instances, or, or what were some of the things that provoked a fast in the lives of believers as given in the Scripture? Well, There were times like this that people were broken over their sin and they began to fast and they began to cry out to the Lord because of their sorrow for what they had done. Does this make sense? And I want to say something else before we get too far into this, but uh, it's said, and this is true, that if you read through the Scripture, you can pray without fasting, but you cannot fast without prayer. And it's absolutely true that if you are fasting for the correct reasons, you will not fast without prayer taking place in your life. Because if you're anything like me, every time your stomach growls and you begin to think, man, I'd love to eat, it will remind you why you are not eating at this time. And that will prompt you and provoke you to pray once more for whatever it is that's on your heart and on your mind. And so there, were, there are the occasions where people fasted because they were sorrowful for the sin that they had committed in their life and they were crying out to God. There, there are times, and these are the two that I want us to really think about tonight, there were times in the scripture that people prayed because they wanted to know God's will and God's direction in a particular matter. They wanted to know God's will and they wanted to to know God's direction in a particular matter. If you look in the book of Acts chapter 13 and 14, we're not going to look at them tonight, but you can go back and read them yourself when you have time. But in Acts chapter 13 and 14, you find that church leaders and church officials, they're they're about to engage in in spiritual activity. They're about to engage in ministerial activity. And, And what are they doing? They are getting together and they are praying and they are fasting. Why? So that they might know God's will and God's direction in their life for that time, for that moment. This evening, how many of us would admit that as we go through life, we have times of uncertainty? 
You ever had times of uncertainty? <laughs> Please admit that you've had times of uncertainty and you didn't know maybe what you ought to do in this particular situation. Maybe you didn't know exactly what you ought to do in this particular environment. What should I do or what should I have my family do? There are times in life that we need God's will and we need God's direction. Now, in a moment like that, what should any Christian do if they have any understanding of their spiritual need at all, what should a Christian do? A Christian should go to God in prayer. If, if I'm in a situation and I don't know what to do, if I'm in a situation as it relates to me or as it relates to me and Susie or it relates to my family, as it relates to the church, as it relates to my finances, as it relates to my health, whatever it may be, God, I need direction. And God, I need to know your will in this matter. If I have any spiritual discernment at all, here is what I'm going to know. I need to go to God in prayer about this matter. Before I do this, I need to pray. Before I do this, I need to pray. Before we engage in this, we need to pray. Do we understand tonight the need and the importance of us to pray before we make decisions? Amen. We ought to know the importance of that. And I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but I want to remind us of this. Many times, if we're not careful, we don't pray about things the way that we ought. We think that we know what's best. We think we know what needs to happen. We think we know that because we got advice from here or here or here or wherever it may come from, we think that we have done all the due diligence we need and we think we've done all the research we need. And so based upon what we think and what others have told us, we know what needs to happen. And we haven't so much as even consulted the mind of God. What is wrong with us if we do such a thing? I'm amazed at the number of times you talk to people and they've just done something or they've acted upon something or they're about to engage in something and you say something like this, have you prayed about it? Uh, uh, uh. You know what uh means? It means no. It's exactly what it means. It, it can be translated as no, I haven't. See, whenever I have a need in my life by way of God's direction, by way of God's will for my life, I need to go to God in prayer saying, God, I need direction. God, I need your will. But I've found this to be true in my life. Maybe you've found this to be true in your life as well. But there are times that I've gone to God in prayer. There have been times that I've gone to the Lord and I've said, Lord, I need your help. I need your direction. I need your will, whatever it may be. And it seems like I don't get the direction. I don't get the clear answer that I'm looking for. And so there's still a measure of uncertainty and there's still a measure of, man, I just, I don't know. Susie says to me, what do you think? And I'm saying, I, I don't know. I, I'm looking at this, and maybe I'm talking to my parents about it, whatever it may be. And my parents are saying, well, what do you think? Have you prayed about it? And I say, well, yeah, I've been praying about it for a while. So, so what do you think, honey? And I say, well, I, I don't know, Mom. I, I don't know what to think right now. You know what often escapes me? Fasting. 
to know the will and the direction that God would have for my life before I take the next step. See, if, if you look in Scripture, there's no list where it says, okay, now here is why you fast. But as you look through the Scripture, you see the examples and you see the illustrations. And again, one of the things that is listed in Acts chapter 13 and 14 is this. This is why you would fast before you would make a decision to truly, clearly know the mind of God before you act. How many times... Have we made mistakes because we did not have clear direction from God before we did what we did? We let our heart control us. We let our mind control us. We let our emotions control us. We let the outside influences control us. And we did not go to God in prayer. And then in those times of uncertainty, in those times of, uh, of still that ambiguity, we, 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 just, we, we did not do what was needed to get what we need by way of direction. Because we don't like to fast. Think about it. I, I want direction in life. Do you, do you want direction in life? <laughs> I want direction in life. I, I want to know God's will for my life. How bad do I want it? Do I want it bad enough that I will say, Lord, I am willing to give up food right now. With the anticipation that as I pray about it, you will give me the direction I need. Amen. You know, if, if you don't know what to do in your marriage, have you fasted? If you don't know, God, I don't, I don't know what to do next with my children. Have we fasted? God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the right course of action is for the health problems that I'm having right now. But God, I'm seeking you. And God, I, I want to know the answers. And God, to prove some measure of seriousness about this, I want the direction so badly that I am willing to give up and sacrifice my love for food. Because for whatever reason, there's some kind of a connection between my willingness to fast and to pray and your willingness to give direction in a particular matter. Moreover, when ye fast, it is assumed of me, it is assumed of you, it would be assumed of any disciple and follower of Christ that as one of his children we will fast. And, and one of the reasons that would prompt us to fast is, is God, I, I want you to give me direction in this particular area. But there's another example that's given in Scripture for the matter of fasting, for the arena of fasting, that, that I think we ought to at least give some attention to, and that is when we want to see God do something that we obviously cannot do. 
I know you're familiar with the story, but do you remember the man who had a son who was possessed? And the man came to the disciples and wanted the disciples to heal the son and to cast out the demons, and the, and the disciples were incapable of doing it? You'll remember that Christ took care of this, and Christ cast out the demon, the unclean spirit, and the disciples later came to Christ and said, Christ, why were we not able to do it? What did Christ say? He didn't say it wasn't because they didn't pray hard enough. He didn't say it was because you weren't, you know, following me close enough. But what he said was this, this kind cometh but by prayer and fasting. Disciples, you know why you were unable to do this? Disciples, you know why you were not able to see a breakthrough in this? You know why you didn't see some kind of a victory in this particular area of your life? You know why it was? It's because in your spiritual life, you have not been fasting. And somehow, for whatever reason, that has some kind of a power to bring or to... It, it has some kind of an ability to, to give the ability for God to do something in a situation when we can't. I wish I knew how many times I've wanted God to do something. God, I want you to do this. God, I'm asking you to do this. God, I'm asking you to do this on my behalf. God, I'm asking you to do this on behalf of my family. God, I'm asking you to do something on behalf of the church. God, I'm asking, I'm asking you to do something on behalf of the church so that we might be more effective in this community, reaching the lost, seeing some people saved, seeing some people baptized. God, I'm asking you to do something on our behalf. God, it's obvious I can't do it. God, it's obvious that a program isn't going to do it. God, it's obvious that, that, that one more round of visitation isn't going to be the catalyst to what it is we're hoping to see. God, I, I, I cannot do this. But I want you to do it. How bad do I want it? Do you want it bad enough that you'll fast? Do you want it bad enough that you're going to deny yourself of that which you many times enjoy most throughout the day? Are you willing to say to the person that says, hey, let's go to lunch? No, I can't go to lunch today. I appreciate it. I've got something else going on. And if they press you on the matter that you're willing to say, listen, I'm spending some time fasting today. Do we want it bad enough that we're able to say or we're willing to say to our spouse, listen, don't plan on me eating supper tonight because I'm going to spend that time praying and I'm going to spend that time getting alone with God. How bad do we want God to do something? I want God to do it, but I don't want to give up a meal for it. Someone may say, that's stupid. <laughs> you mean to tell me that giving up food would actually affect the power of God in a person's life? I'm just saying that's what Scripture says. 
So we can sit here and think, well, that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense at all. That seems absolutely ludicrous. That's nuts. I understand. I'm just telling you, the Word of God says that there were people who prayed and they fasted when they wanted to know God's direction and God's will for their life. And there were people who, when they wanted God to do something amazing on their behalf, they prayed and they fasted and they sought the Lord. And somehow that praying and that fasting brought about the, the... the needed elements to bring about God's power in that situation. I'm just saying the scripture makes it clear that there is something about fasting that moves the heart and mind of God in ways that maybe sometimes prayer alone does not. But we've got to remember this. Just because we skip a few meals doesn't mean God is now obligated to jump and do whatever it is we're wanting him to do. Whenever David wanted his son to live from the affair that he had with Bathsheba, he prayed and he fasted and he cried out to the Lord. He skipped the meals, but it didn't change anything. Why? Because some things were already established and some things were going to be done. But at least David could say this in that moment. He had done everything he knew to do. There have been many times I could say this, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed, but I couldn't say I prayed and I fasted. There are many times that I haven't been able to say or I wouldn't be able to say, I have done everything I know to do, even that of fasting. It's amazing how we want God to do things for us, but many times we don't want it to require anything of us. And something as simple as fasting could be the difference between us not having the direction we need, the mind of God that we need, or the power of God working in our lives the way that we want it to. And again, somebody may say, well, well, that's just silly. That's just ridiculous. So then I would say this. If you think it's silly and ridiculous, give up food for a day and see how silly you think it is at the end of the day. You'll find that it was on your mind most of the day. You will find that at the end of the day, you'll be saying things like this, man, I'm starving. We're not starving. It's just that we're not used to telling our body no. We want to have our 15-minute prayer time in the mornings and expect that to take care of everything we need by way of direction or God's power in our life. I'm supposed to fast. Why? Because I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to fast because I'm a child of God. And I'm supposed to fast because there, there are needs that I have in my life that only God can do. And there, there, there are times in my life where I need direction, really, that only fasting can give me. So to look at the rest of the scripture real quick, I just want us to see this. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. Here, here's some guidelines for us that should we decide, you know what, we're serious enough that we're going to fast about this for direction or for God's movement or whatever it may be. I'm so serious about this that I want to fast. Then be sure you do it correctly or else it will have no impact whatsoever. He said, when you fast, don't do it as the hypocrites. What do the hypocrites do? Well, he said they like the sad countenance. 
I don't know exactly what it would look like, but he said they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Somehow they would make it known by their countenance and by their face, I want you to know I'm fasting. It's possible sometimes for people to fast, but to do so for the wrong reasons or to do so for the wrong motives. He says, verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. If all they're doing is fasting for the purpose of the sad countenance and the disfiguring of the face where people can say, wow, he's fasting again, they have their reward. But he says in verse number 17, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face that thou appear not unto men to fast but unto thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. What's the point? The point is this, is should you feel led to fast because of whatever reason, whatever it is that prompts you, if you should feel led to fast, it should never be that anyone around us would know it unless they pressed us on the matter. So if the Lord should lead for you to fast on a Wednesday, you don't need to come to church. And I'm not suggesting you would. I'm just throwing this out here. You don't come to church and somebody says, that's your stomach. Oh, yeah, I've been fasting. Well, they don't need to know. Somebody, something wrong? I mean, you, you don't look good. You don't look normal. Yeah, I've been fasting lately. To, to do such a thing gives you the reward that you're seeking. It gives you all the attention that you're wanting. The Lord said, as he did of the giving and as he did of the praying, he said, listen, you do this in secret so that the Father who is in heaven, he, he sees it in secret and he rewards thee openly. I don't know. I, I genuinely have no idea how many of you fast. I have no idea how often any of you fast. I have no idea what would provoke you to fast. But if I had to wager money, I would say this. Many of us don't fast as often as we ought. And I'm not, again, I'm not talking about for health reasons. You know, it'd do me good, honey, if I fasted for 24 hours. If you're doing it for health reasons, you're, you're getting the only benefit out of it you can, and that's a health issue. But, but I, I'm saying to you this evening, and I'm reminding myself tonight, there are more times that we ought to be fasting. But we're not. Most of us, I won't say to you, but, but most of us, I would suspect, we're not fasting like we should. And then we wonder why we're not getting the direction. We wonder why we're not seeing the results. We wonder why more isn't happening. How bad do we want it? How bad do we want it? Well, I want it bad, just not that bad. Well, obviously we don't want it too bad. And so, for me, this is just for me. I knew this passage was coming up. I've known this passage was coming up for several weeks, and it's like the Holy Spirit has been saying, so when are we going to do that? You know what my spirit and my flesh have been saying? Well, when we get there. The idea of a fast is not anything new for me. I've done it before, and I've done it for the right reasons, and I've done it in the right manner. And the Lord's worked in, in some wonderful ways because of times in which I've been obedient and fasted. But even knowing it was coming up, there was still this wrestling within my spirit. God, I don't want to fast. 
You want God to work in your life in a manner in which he never seems to have worked before? Why don't you try a fast? You want some direction in your life because you really don't know what it is you're supposed to do and it doesn't seem like prayer is really giving you the answer that you need? Then why don't you try a fast? We might just be amazed what would happen if we were willing to fast and do it right and do it in the spirit in which we're supposed to because God's people ought to be people who fast from time to time. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, I come to you tonight. I pray that you'd help every one of us to just take a moment and give consideration to this truth that uh, was clearly stated in your word. Lord, we have no problems admitting that a Christian ought to give.